It's the Movie Hall of Fame, class of 2006. I'm Nico, that's Adam Hall. Mm-hmm. That's me. We're your hosts. Yep. Your tour guides through cinematic history. Yeah, because we care so much about cinematic history. Yes, we do. Yeah. Adam, it's week four. Mm. Three films have been inducted into the Movie Hall of Fame thus far. Correct. They are The Princess Bride, mm-hmm. Raging Bull. Correct. And just last week, oh, oh boy. Toy Story. Oh, what, a, what a great deserved win there. No, I'm, good, I, I'm serious. Pretty good class so far. Yeah, no, we're doing good. This year, another movie joins the ranks. Again, it's the year 2006. Get in the time machine with me. Yeah. And um, unlike last time, I have a I have a clear winner here. It feels good to actually have a clear uh, choice on this one, but we'll get to that. Whoa. Yeah, I have a clear definitive. This is the best fucking movie. Okay. I am open to some change on this. I'll be honest. For me, this list has four clear frontrunners. The other two are sort of a step below, mm-hmm. but I'll be honest, you could pick any one of these six and I would be okay with it. Okay. So I think I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you take the reins. Okay. I'll let you take the reins and I will air to your opinion, but maybe I can convince you otherwise. We'll see. Again, the list of nominees for the class of 2006, The Devil Wears Prada, The Prestige, Pan's Labyrinth, Casino Royale, Children of Men and The Departed. One of these six will be the latest inductee into the Movie Hall of Fame. But first, Adam Hall. What's up? Some facts about 2006. Okay, go ahead. Everybody knows what happened at the Oscars. Your nominees for Best Picture, The Queen, Little Miss Sunshine, Letters from Iwo Jima, Babel, and The Departed. Mm -hmm. The Departed takes home Best Picture, as does its director, Martin Scorsese. Yep. This is, of course, Scorsese's first ever Oscar win. We'll be talking about that fairly soon. Forrest Whitaker wins Best Actor for The Last King of Scotland. Dame Helen Mirren. Is she a dame or just Helen Mirren? She's a dame. Oh, good. She wins for The Queen. Best Actress, that is. Alan Arkin wins Best Supporting Actor for Little Miss Sunshine. Jennifer Hudson, former (laughs) American Idol contestant, takes home Best Supporting Actress for Dreamgirls. And she's been on The Voice ever since. Interesting. Yes. Uh, the box office that year. Highest grossing movie of 2006. Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead Man's Chest. $1.06 billion at the Ooh. box office worldwide. That was the time when Marvel was just a twinkle in Bob Iger's eye. And Pirates of the Caribbean was paying the bills at the Disney Corporation. I good, like that good, movie. good for Disney. I like that movie. Okay, I like the first one a lot more. <laughs> you like part two? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, uh, rounding out the top five at the box office, The Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code was number one. Number two. That's interesting. Not a good movie. Ice Age: The Meltdown. <laughs> okay. Casino Royale at four. Night at the Museum at five. Mm. You know what's getting weird now? What? We're talking about years that we were actually alive for. That's right. So now we like remember it's, all of this shit. We do. And I, 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 I'm not like, it's funny that for that year, like, I don't know. It's not a year that really sticks out to me for some reason, even though I'm looking at our nominees and I feel like it should more. Right. Well, none of those movies were particularly no. compelling. No. Um, how many movies do you think from this year were inducted into the National Film Registry? Uh, I... Ooh, it's not gonna. It can't be any, 
Yes, the answer is zero. Yeah, it can't be any. Most recent film, Brokeback Mountain in 2005. Nothing after 2005 is in yet. Okay, because it's, it's a, a lot of them right now aren't eligible. Ten them. years, I believe, Okay, is the waiting period. All right, so all right, so there's a, there's a t- bunch now that aren't eligible. But in the 2000s, yeah. Yeah, okay, any, okay. any day now. All right. You never know. And I believe a lot of these will eventually be inducted. But we get first dibs, Adam. We get yeah. to decide which one gets in. They should listen to us. Yes. Yeah, fuck the National Film Registry. Lot of also rands for 2006. I'll give you the list. United 93, a movie I have not seen, but that you love. Love it. Paul Greengrass. Yeah. That's a docudrama. That's a, it's a film that it, that just, even though it, it, it's clearly, you know, it's a narrative film. It's set up. It's, and it's, you know, hired real actors and everything. It just, you would, if you didn't know any better, you'd think it's a documentary. That film is chilling. Best 9-11 movie? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Not Crash, right? <laughs> Crash. Yeah. Is that a 9-11 film? Yes. Is it? Crash, of course. Like the shitty film that won Best Picture? Yeah. Is it? Sure. It's in the wake of 9-11. I, I, well, I guess they kind of... Yeah. It's, okay. Of course. You mean thematically 9-11. I, I thought you meant like literally about 9-11. Crash is tangentially about 9-11. It you don't think so? It takes place in LA. There's a couple scenes where the guy talks shit about a terrorist. Or not a terrorist. <laughs> He's not a terrorist. Oh my God, I'm sorry. It's... it's, it's, it's it came right after ni- it's a it's about like a, 9/11 it's basically. like a response kind of yeah, to 9/11 but it's but okay yeah, I, i'm just talking literally well then there's 9/11. not many of them there's it's only like, like two right there's a few there's that one that came out with charlie sheen oh uh, world trade center with oliver stone you ever seen that no nick cage have you seen it yes how is it not great all right not bad though okay uh mission impossible 3 came out in 2006 all right is it Zach's favorite Mission Impossible movie? No, no, Fallout's his favorite, but it was, I believe, his favorite until Fallout. Mm. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman kills, kills it. Great in that movie. Cars <laughs> is a Pixar movie I don't love. It's going to be one of the few Pixar movies not to get nominated for the Hall of Fame. Yep. I would consider that a blemish on their great resume. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. <laughs> don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That movie's aight. That movie's aight. Okay. I'll be the one to tell you otherwise. Incredible Hulk car. Hulk car. Love Tokyo Drift. Yeah, snakes can't. on a plane. Great movie. Had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Great movie. Idiocracy, a movie you haven't seen, but you need to. Okay. I feel a lot of regret for not nominating Idiocracy. Really? All right, all right. Love that movie. Stranger Than Fiction, Will Ferrell. I like it. I like it too. Apocalypto, you ever seen it? I love Apocalypto. Never seen it. Love Apocalypto. Mel Gibson. I like it more than The Passion of the Christ. Okay. Yeah, but- Hot take. Uh, Blood Diamond, Leo. I like that one too. I do too. I also like really love his performance in that. I think it's one of Leo's best performances. You think? Because I, I see. I just I like his performance in that. I don't know if it's one of his best, but yeah. Pursuit of Happiness, a movie that I had a lot of fondness for as a kid. Will right. Smith. No, you don't. No, I just haven't seen it okay. recently. Yeah, I like that movie. Rocky Balboa, one of the worst Rocky movies. Yeah, that's uh, the, the Good Shepherd. Uh, De Niro directed. Good Who's Shepherd. in that one? I don't even remember. Pesci is in it. Uh, isn't Russell Crowe in it or some shit? Is he? I could be wrong. I don't even know. Night at the Museum. Just fine. Little Miss Sunshine, as we mentioned. Yep, like that one as well. Do you like Happy Feet? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? I, 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 I like Happy Feet. I don't love it at all, but... Okay. It, it, there's... It, it's a fun movie, actually. I feel like that movie got a lot of love when it came out, and I'm not exactly sure why. Well, it's the only. Well, it's, it, it, not a lot of good animated films came out at that year. It's the one that won the Oscar for best animated film. It's a fun movie. It's just, uh, 
it's it's nothing to really brag about. I'll say that. There was like a run of penguin movies. <laughs> Is that penguins it? were like really hot back then? Interesting. March of the Penguins came out like the year before. Everybody was all in. Oh on yeah, the penguins. remember right. that? Was there like a, a uh, people trying to save the penguins? Were they going extinct or something? Might have been. So we needed to fall in love with penguins, even though I think everyone loved penguins anyway. Penguins sort of had their Shark Week moment in, <laughs> in the mid two thousands. Oh yeah, yeah, and everybody sort of forgot about the penguins. Too I feel bad. bad. Borat, really good comedy. Do you know the whole title of Borat? Uh, now I always forget. Borat, cultural learnings of America for make benefit glorious nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> that was hilarious. I'll be honest. It's like, uh, it was right on the edge. I feel like it should have been nominated just for cultural significance. That movie's so fucking funny. Yeah, it is. And I think maybe is colored a little bit by the fact that when I was 12 years old, all of my friends loved Borat. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of became like. I don't know. It became just sort of like the go-to quotable comedy for 12-year-old boys. Well, it was the film that I was not allowed to watch, but my parents liked so much that they let me watch it anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs> they got to the point where I was like, yeah, just let them see it. You got to see Borat. Yeah, exactly. So good. Half Nelson? I, ooh, we, we just talked about Half just Nelson. Just talked about it last I week. I quite like Half Nelson. Yeah. And Inside Man, my favorite Spike Lee movie. My favorite Spike Lee movie as well. Do the right thing, Spike Lee. Yeah, it's like number two or three. It's pretty close. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All not nominated. Good year for movies, 2006. So- solid year. Not a great year, I would say, but a, a good year. Good, really good year. Solid year, as mm-hmm. is the slate of these nominees. Adam Hall, let's start with The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, which I just rewatched, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. And uh this is a this is a a chick flick and a half. Gird your loins, Adam. Gird your loins. Gird. People, gird your loins. Mm. Gird your loins. Let's cheers to you and your size six ass. <laughs> Everyone wants to be us. <laughs> Everyone wants to be Everyone. us. Everyone. Sunglasses. This movie is directed by David Frankel, mm-hmm. written by Aline Brosh McKenna, okay. screenwriter behind 27 Dresses and a bunch of other chick flicks, <laughs> starring Meryl Streep. Anne Hathaway, Emily Blunt in her first ever... This is her, her first? Uh, I don't know if it's her first on-screen role, but is the movie that put her on the map. Okay. And the Tooch, Stanley Tucci. The Tooch. God, I love Stanley Tucci. Grossed a whopping $326 million at the box office. Crazy. Nominated for Best Actress for Meryl and Best Costume Design at the Oscars... Mm-hmm. based on the novel by Lauren Weisberger from 2003, and is loosely based on Anna Wintour, the editor-in-chief of Vogue. Okay. there That is where the inspiration for Meryl Streep's character... Miranda? ...comes from. Miranda Priestling? Yeah, something like that. Miranda Priestling? I think. Priestling. Yeah, Priestling. Mar- Miranda Priestling, yeah. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, this movie's a lot of fun. <laughs> I fucking it's a, love it's it. It's a ton of fun. It's a film that is... is uh, um. Yeah, if you if you look at it on the surface, it's it is just like a it's, I mean, just by looking at it, it's kind of like a like a disposable you know, like chick flick of that time. There are a million movies like this that uh, come yes. out every year. But the, I, uh, this is one of those movies where the thing that really elevates it above most is just the fucking performances. In this <laughs> They're movie. so good, so good. 
I'm not exaggerating when I say this. This is one of my favorite Meryl Streep performances. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is one of her best. It's one of her quietest ones as well, by a, by a mile, actually. It's barely the lead. It's sort of a supporting character. Yeah, but she's so crazy and evil, but fascinating. And you, It's weird, because I always kind of want to be with her. Right. <laughs> well, I that, get it. That's the miracle of this movie. So yeah. obviously it's about a magazine editor, a fashion magazine editor who is a notoriously bad boss, Anne Hathaway is hired as her assistant, Mm -hmm. and she sort of shares that role with Emily Blunt. You are supposed to hate this woman. She's supposed to be the villain of the film. And one of the miracles of both this script and Meryl's performance is that there is a lot of humanity there. Yeah. And you really grow to like this woman and sympathize with her, and at times... Agree with her philosophically. I would say frequently agree with her. Yeah, you just kind of get because in, in order to do what she has to do, it's like you can't imagine doing it any other way. Right. As far as being as cold and and sometimes cruel as she can be, but you know it it it. I mean, we see it because it works. Right. She gets it done. The key mm. is she's very good at her job. Mm. And there are a lot of movies about horrible bosses, some called horrible <laughs> bosses, that don't treat those characters as sincerely as devil wear Pro- devil wears prada does well you don't get like the divorce scene in the devil wears prada right where meryl streep is just like trying to hold back tears but she can't quite do it mm-hmm. and again it's just if, for her character it's so like i don't know it's if it, her character who is that you know like i don't know kind of outwardly terrible the way she plays it is about as uh, about as perfect as I could imagine anyway. Right. I mean, that's just Meryl, though. That's a little different. That is Meryl. Well, of course. Yeah. It's not the first time she's done this. She has modeled the character, I think, or at least compared it to her character in Kramer versus Kramer, uh, which is actually sort of an interesting comparison. Both sort of uh, serve a, a similar role to their respective movies. Interesting. And in both cases, she's sort of this unlikable powerful strong woman that has a lot of humanity under the surface and you really have to look for it and i think that was her challenge in both of these movies that she rose to the occasion Mm. in both cases Mm. um she's just really good at what she does and because she's good at what she does you trust that her motivations are sincere even if she does horrible things she's a really good magazine editor yep and she has this great speech with Meryl, I'm sorry, with uh, Anne Hathaway in the office, mm-hmm. where Anne Hathaway starts laughing about the color <laughs> of two belts. Yep. And she goes on this whole tirade about Anne Hathaway's sweater and how it's like, oh, yeah, you think that you're above fashion. <laughs> you think you've made a choice to ignore the fashion industry <laughs> when in reality, we decide that you wear a sweater like that. The decisions have been made in this room. You are subscribing to this lifestyle even if you don't know it. <laughs> and it's like just this brilliant takedown and yep. classic Merrill monologue. And at that moment, you're like, oh, yeah, I hate this woman. I wouldn't want to be this woman. Yep. But I sympathize and I respect her. <laughs> and that's the key about this movie. And that's the key with all of these characters even Emily Blunt, to a certain extent, oh, I love her. It's hard movie. to root for at times, but that performance has so much humanity in it. It's, oh God, she's just she's such an asshole. Yeah, she's such, that character's a fucking asshole. But I love her. I love her sometimes more than Anne Hathaway. But she has so much passion. That's yeah. the key. 
It's like, well, she's doing it because she actually, I mean, I think she cares anyway. Certainly. She's certainly in love with the job and in love with uh, Miranda. So it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, the, it's the best way you could possibly sell that, I think. And um, it's, it's another one of those things where I just feel like with, with that character as well, it could have been so weak just reading it. So, like Meryl Streep's character, especially on, 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 on the page. I mean, I don't know. I feel, I feel like what they generate out of their performances is much better than, than I don't know. Well, at least what the writer initially had in mind. I don't want to sell the script short, though, because it's, I think it's a great script. I actually. think the script is very smart. Yes, there are, as I said, the sweater monologue, the stuff with the Harry Potter book when she tracks down the Harry Potter oh, book. Really good stuff there, and the conversation at the end where Miranda and Anne Hathaway are talking in the limo mm-hmm. about how everybody wants to be us. I see a lot of myself in you. Yeah. What both women were willing to do in order to get ahead, yeah. and for a movie like this, a lot of interesting things to think about in that way too. It's it's really incredible. Yeah. Um, there is no movie of its kind at the level of Devil Wears Prada. I think it's the best movie modern like, day chick flick. Yes. Uh, by a mile. Do we count Mean Girls? I think it's better than Mean Girls. Mm, I, I think go, it's better. I'll go Mean Girls before Devil Wears Prada. Okay. That's close, though. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's close. Uh, yeah, this is a very good movie. Although, uh, I, I can't stand uh, the the relationship that she has with that guy oh the college boyfriend or the no, or no, the, the journalist the journalist i can't stand yeah he's kind of, simon st- baker yeah i don't mind simon baker i just can't stand that 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 storyline yeah it doesn't really get the romance right it doesn't even go anywhere it i think in either cases both yeah. him and the regular boyfriend are sort of annoying in it all you really get is that oh she's struggling to to make her boyfriend happy because she's never there and right that's it i don't want to like it, like use the cliche oh it's not really about the relationship it's all about the women's relationship that's the real love story between Marilyn and Hathaway I won't go that far but I will say that for a chick flick and I don't want to use that term too derogatorily yeah it does get a lot right about the stuff that's not the romance and I think it has it focuses a lot more on the career stuff mm-hmm. and the business side of things. And you spend a lot of time with Stanley Tucci yeah, and you learn about that character. And I, I guess appreciate that as a dude, clearly this movie is not made for me. I can relate to the fact that it doesn't care about the romance. I agree because I don't care about the romance. Yeah. I mean, even there is a, there's, not, there's a romance element to it and in, in, in a lot of ways, but again, it's, it's simply not what the movie's really interested in. That's not where the themes of the film really lie and where you're supposed to learn the most about the film anyway. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 here's the funny thing about Stanley Tucci for me in this film is he's, he's, he's my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, he might be mine too. I mean, Stanley Tucci's the best part of almost every film he's in. Yeah. Uh, I wanted more of him though. If I'm okay. being honest, like after, because I like just rewatched it, and I'm like, "Wow, Stanley Tucci's great," but I need more of this guy. He's 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 wonderful. Yeah, everything about him. Yeah, what happens to him at the end is so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Again, there's a sincerity to what these people do. Yeah, the movie could have easily played it cynically. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like they could have portrayed Meryl's character and the whole fashion industry as this shallow, vain backstabbing business and although there's a lot of backstabbing that goes on each and every character cares deeply about their job and cares deeply about fashion and their purpose in the world and i include stanley tucci and i include emily blunt and i certainly include meryl in that it's just how they go after their goals is where things get messy exactly 
Um, I agree. I love Tucci. I love his line, gird your loins. <laughs> when he says, everybody gird your loins, kills me. Yeah. My favorite line in the movie. Yeah. Hire the smart, uh, what did she say? Smart fat girl. <laughs> the smart go, fat girl. Go ahead. Hire the smart fat girl. <laughs> she calls her Emily for most of oh, the movie. Oh, God. That's so funny. It's the best. That's good stuff. Yeah, no, this is a very good movie. Um, yeah, maybe the, the, the first or second best film about the fashion industry right behind the Neon Demon. <laughs> Which you should see, Nico. Because <laughs> it's very good. I'm going to gloss on over that. <laughs> I was having fun talking about Devil Wears Prada with you. but and that I had, to, I had to bring up the Neon Demon. You had to. I'll be honest. I, temptation is to cross off the movie. We might cross off the movie. I will just say a lot of movies of its kind have come out in the last 15 years. And this is the one that is most exemplary of all that is right about that genre. It's the best one. Yes. Yes. I agree. Okay. It's not the winner, though. I don't think so either. No. Fine. I'll cross it out. It's fine. Fine. Is it, we can. We like it. Again, it's like everyone's yelling at us thinking like, oh, you hate the movie. We don't, we don't hate the movie, fine. guys. But we have to make a decision here. There's a lot of great films. Devil Wears Prada. It's so good. It's not the one, but it's, it's fantastic. So good. It's very good. The Prestige, Adam Hall. Hmm. Directed by my boy, Christopher Nolan, and your sworn enemy in life, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> in some ways. Written by Christopher Nolan and his brother, Jonathan Nolan. That's correct. Starring Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> and the late, great David Bowie. Based on the novel by Christopher Priest from 1993, $109 million at the box office. It's so funny. Came out the same year as The Illusionist. And no one gives a shit about The Illusionist. I believe The Prestige won both the box office battle and the battle for cultural acclaim. No one gives a shit about The Illusionist. Nominated for Best Cinematography and Best Art Direction at the Academy Awards. You were the one that got this on the nominated list. Oh, oh my God. I nominated a Christopher Nolan film? That's weird. Right, which is surprising because uh, you say it is your favorite Christopher <laughs> Nolan film. It is by far my favorite Christopher Nolan By far? Yeah. Why? Because it just is. Because it's better than The Dark Knight. <laughs> wow wow i disagree <laughs> i don't find as many flaws in this movie as i do the dark Knight. i don't sit back and watch watch the movie and i'm just like oh yeah that's stupid oh yeah that doesn't make sense oh that was a poor editing choice oh you, you should have gave me this little bit of information before this little bit of information which happens frequently in the dark Knight. uh i still love the dark Knight, but i there's there's a lot of things i could pick apart about that film whereas this film is just a sit back relax have a great time kind of like interesting mystery film that you know really gets you involved in the process and you and you uh it's it's kind of complicated sometimes it's hard to follow but you're regardless of that you're still just kind of en endlessly gripped by it and um yeah uh yeah it's his best film for me i do remember watching it the first time as you said being a bit confused and having to google the plot summary afterwards i don't do that often with movies but every once in a while if like the storytelling is unclear especially with that twist at the end i, I had to go back and and do another google search also like the time jumps 
little the way weird. that the, the, the story is told is a little Jarring. incoherent at mm-hmm. times. Uh, not, not necessarily in a bad way. I think oftentimes that's the intention. With Christopher Nolan films, and certainly his most recent one, that's the case. Huh. How dare you? How dare you? I would put it somewhere around four or five. Yeah. For me, I think it's it's somewhere in the middle. I do think it's one of his most underrated movies. I don't think there's any question about that. It doesn't get a lot of love. It's definitely his most underrated for me. I would also say, and this is high praise, it's a very good magic movie. Yeah. And there it's a are, movie about magic. There are like no good magic movies. Yeah. There's like none. No. Now You See Me is like the next <laughs> best magic movie. And fuck that. Yeah. It's, it's hard to make a sincere movie about magicians because magicians more often than not are not very sincere. Yeah. They suck, Nico. They're yeah. Pretty bad. Did you, were you the kind of guy in high school who would, you know, show card tricks to girls? So when I was in the sixth grade, I seriously believed that I was going to be a magician when I grew up. <laughs> okay. And that's not a joke. I'll show you in my bedroom later. Oh, no. <laughs> oh he's going to bring me to, into his bedroom. Well, yeah, it's right over there. <laughs> You've seen it before. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a chest full of magic kits and magic props because I bought every magic kit I could get my hands on as a kid. I watched Chris Angel and David Blaine mm-hmm. with a watchful eye. I own Chris Angel DVDs. Mm-hmm. I have like the box sets of Chris Angel Mind Freak in my bedroom as well. And uh, yeah, I fucking loved magic growing up. And then I realized, oh yeah, magic's like for kids. Unless you're Penn and Teller, every magician is the fucking same. It's Yeah, and you know, it, it like locks you into virginity for the rest of your life. Well, that too. So <laughs> I'll tell you this. <laughs> I've tried this experiment. If you're in high school or college and you got... Two dudes that look exactly the same. One is strumming a guitar and singing Wonderwall by Oasis. And the other guy is like, pick a card. Don't show anybody. (laughs) Now sign it and replace it in the deck. I can think, I think I can with 100% certainty tell you who's getting more pussy that night. Even though I I kind of had more admiration for the guy doing the card trick. Just a thought. (laughs) Just a thought. I, there's no cliche I hate more than the guy with the guitar singing Wonderwall, by the way. <laughs> that is that is my number one least favorite college cliche above all of them. I just I I am John Belushi from fucking Animal House. I will take that guitar and smash it on the fucking pavement. It's the worst. How many times have you sincerely stumbled into a guy playing Wonderwall in college? Because it's been at least three times, Five and I'm not exaggerating. Times for me, at and least I'm not three. kidding. I'm at not. Le- no, I'm yeah. not either. I'm it, not exaggerating either. And if it wasn't that, it was a fucking ukulele, which makes no sense. I've never seen that. Oh, it's weird. I've never seen anything. It that is douchey. weird, man. But oh, I hate it. It's the worst. It is. It is. It's like who do you even think you are, dude? It's effective though. God, the damn women it. love it. Well, puppy's effective. Get a fucking puppy. No, I know it's a chick <laughs> magnet. You're right though. Fucking the cups and balls routine. Not a chick magnet. Believe no. me, I've tried. <laughs> anyway, the prestige does do a lot right because it turns the movie into a magic trick, essentially. Yes. The entire movie is right. as a whole is one giant magic trick. It's a magic trick played on the viewer. There's a lot of misdirection at work. Mm. It's focusing on one character when you should be looking at another 
And Christopher Nolan does, for better or for worse, pull off the great reveal at the end. It's an awesome twist um, and does give you the feeling that you would have at a David Copperfield show. Sure. You know, that, and I, in that way, I think it works. Um, it also helps that it's a period piece. Yeah. And it, and it gives it a more real feeling to it. it it's sort of impossible to make a movie about a magician in 2019 mm-hmm. and make it feel sincere. I agree. You know, but it's not even, it's not really a movie about magic specifically. It's a movie about a rivalry. Yeah. Which is what makes it so compelling, which is what keeps you going through the film. Otherwise you have the illusionist. Right. That's good. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, I really like this movie. I like David Bowie in it a lot. Yeah, he's he's. Oddly, I didn't know it was him at first. I didn't either. And then I looked it up. I was like, wait a second, wait, wait, that was David Bowie. And then I rewatched the film. And I was like, holy shit, David Bowie's fucking uh, Nikola, Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla. That is awesome, and he's great in it. Yeah, Andy Serkis is good in it for his small little. Yeah, role. Andy Serkis does pop up. I, I really love both uh, Christian Bale and uh, and uh, uh, Hugh Jackman. I will say Hugh Jackman is the revelation for me because mm-hmm. obviously Christian Bale's going to be great. Yeah, I know. But Hugh Jackman's like, oh, oh, he can act. Yeah, <laughs> oh. this might have been the first time that I saw him outside of the Wolverine costume mm-hmm. and thought that there was something compelling about him. And I don't see the Wolverine, which is great. I mean, there's more to that. I get it, but you know, I think for. A couple of his films, it's hard to separate him from the Wolverine, at least afterwards. Mm. And this was like, no, this guy is just a struggling magician who's obsessed with this other guy, and it's it's just about his downfall, and it's wonderful, right? Yeah, I'm. This, uh, is, this is a this is just a a good like sick day film. It's one that I don't really channel surf past when it's on. You're right. Yeah, I really really love it. And again, it's just it doesn't it gets everything right for me for the most part. It doesn't really. The thing is. If we're talking in the realm of just films in general, why I don't necessarily call this my favorite film is that it doesn't like leave me with anything like necessarily profound and like awe inspiring. No, I don't really model anything after this film. It's just a very good, efficient and and, and effective film for what it is. Because as I said earlier, it's a trick. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just like something that's really cool to pull off as a filmmaker, but not necessarily an incredibly personal work of cinema. No. Well, that's the thing is that it works like from a plot level, like a story level of like as a magic trick, but like the filmmaking itself, it's just, you know, it's good. It's very good. Actually. It's just that, you know, they, they could have, I would, it would have been interesting for me is for it to have been about magic to play with the sort of magic of cinema and the tricks that, you know, cinematographers play and whatnot and presented in kind of that weird way. And, you know, do a lot with like uh, how you change perspective based on a certain scene and you know kind of play into those conventions that's a completely different film though yeah yeah a little more meta I like it I really like it I love it I like it a lot yeah I don't think we should consider it for the movie hall of fame though Mm -mm. okay no good I'm glad that we mentioned it though and this will not be the last time that our boy Chris Nolan snags a nomination he might even snag a win. We will see. I love the prestige. Yeah. I love it too. All right. Now, here we are. This is the big four. Yeah. Big this four. The big four. There is no debate. These are the four best movies of the year for me. Do you agree? Yes. These these are the four you would put. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I could see an argument for all four of them. Mm-hmm. I will listen to an argument for all four of them. And I am totally fine if any one of those four get in. But there is one that I could cross off immediately, though. As much as I love You know what? You want to do that now? 
Yeah. Let's do it now. Okay. Yeah, because I'm with you. Uh, the Departed. That's not my choice. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're on the wrong page. Shit. All right, let's do The Departed then. Okay. Okay. That's not my choice. Oh, no, but what else do you want to cross off? Oh, shit. Okay. All right. We'll talk about it. The Departed. <laughs> this one best picture. Yep. Here's the problem, bro. What's What's the problem? By the way, directed by Martin Scorsese, written yeah. by William Monaghan, yeah. starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Ray Winstone, Vera Farmiga, Anthony Anderson, and Alec Baldwin. Awesome cast. Yeah. Shot by the great Michael Ballhouse, who shot Goodfellas, and I'm a big fan of that cinematography. Oh. And edited by Thelma Shoemaker. <laughs> who also schoonmaker get it right Nico I will fucking reach around this table <laughs> and do to you what they did to Leo on the rooftop <laughs> he was in the elevator actually <laughs> now I'm gonna show up at your house like Mark Wahlberg at the end of the fucking movie and just be waiting for you with your fucking cat with my cat isn't the cat in that scene no there's no cat there's a rat in that scene get it right Nico who else dies a horrible death in this? <laughs> <laughs> you are off your game. Jesus. I'll beat you up like Jack on a pool table. Okay. Better? Better. Yeah, not bad. I'll slap you with a dildo like Jack had in the, in the fucking porn theater. Well, he didn't slap him. He just presented him with a dildo. Based on the Hong Kong movie Infernal Affairs. You ever seen it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you have. Oh, yeah. Do you like it? Yeah, I like it. It's like a trilogy, right? Yeah, I haven't seen the other three. But for all intents and purposes, it pretty much is a remake of Just the Departed. Okay. Gross 291. Wait, whoa, that was wrong. Whoa, 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 whoa. The, the Departed is a remake of Infernal Affairs. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. yeah. That's what I meant. Uh, $291 million at the box office is what it grossed. Mm-hmm. Nominated for five Oscars, of which it won four. Best Picture, Best Editing, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay. The only win that it did not take home was for, ironically, Mark Wahlberg for Best Supporting Actor. Mm -hmm. He was the only one nominated of this stellar cast. That's right. So, look, I I acknowledge that I am not being impartial when I review this movie, and we've had this argument (laughs) a lot. You want me to view this movie in a bubble. I cannot view this movie in a bubble. I know. It is the movie that won Martin Scorsese his first Oscar and I cannot ignore that his last three movies that were all nominated but did not win Taxi Driver, Raging Bull and Goodfellas all should have won and none of them did Mm -hmm. and that's a sin yes a fucking sin and this movie is not in the same league I wouldn't even put it in his top six or seven Hugo is better Gangs of New York is better oh my god yeah right yeah it is by a mile yeah that's the, that's his best film of the 21st century next to Hugo. You need to see, Hugo's wonderful. King of Comedy is probably better? Yeah, maybe. That eh, they're pretty close. I would not put The Departed in that league. It's a clear step down from his pantheon. But what Casino's I, better. No. I think it is. No. Okay. Cuz here's the thing is that people will disagree with you. Right. A lot of people will disagree with you about this because to me this is one of his most popular films. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. 
Well, it's also the one made for a modern audience. Yes. There's not a lot of casual moviegoers that are rewatching Taxi Driver every year like you and I. No, I get that. But there's other films that that, that, that he's made recently that are made for a, a popular audience like uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. And this is still more popular than Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, that's true. You know? However, Wolf of Wall Street has gained sort of a cult following lately. You don't like Wolf of Wall Street. I don't. Oh, see, I really like Wolf of Wall Street. So, yeah, I... I that came out the same year as American Hustle, and I thought American Hustle was a better version of what Wolf of Wall Street was trying to do. And you know my thoughts on American Hustle. I know. We'll talk about that yeah. when the time comes <laughs> in a few years when we're still doing this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't ignore that. I, I can't look outside that bubble, I, I or I oh. can't help but look outside the bubble. I would like to be able to appreciate this movie for what it is. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much that I see wrong with it, and I don't see what's right with it. What are you talking about? I'll give you an example. Jack Nicholson was originally supposed to be played by Robert De Niro, that character. De Niro would have been so much better in this movie than Jack. I love Jack in this movie. I don't care if he's going crazy. Dude, he is patently absurd in this movie. <laughs> he's, he's ridiculous. And I don't mind an overactor. You know I don't mind an overactor, but this is going too far. There's a level of just sleazeball to him that I that I kind of like, that I don't think uh, Robert De Niro would have brought to the performance. I kind of like that about him. And do we really need Robert De Niro in another Scorsese film? Oh, wait. I don't... Not necessarily do we need him. He's just... I think he would have been better. I think he would have played the part with more sincerity and with more heart and with more humanity. And it's just Jack is this. Uh, it, it, he's almost doing a bad Jack Nicholson impression. I get. Well, this is like again. This is one of the more iconic Jack Nicholson performance of this century, though. But he hasn't had many in this century. I know. This is why the you know it's like is, about Schmidt and this, yeah, and yeah, that's it exactly. But people remember this one fondly, is the thing, because it's fun. He moves the same way the movie does. He feels right where right at home with which is frenetic and all over the place frenetic i wouldn't say all over the place necessarily it's a bit all over the place uh, it's a little bit unfocused I don't, I don't know about that the movie is again a fun little puzzle that you get to play one character is the rat for the cops the other character is the rat for the mob mm-hmm. they have switched roles and they got to figure out who's who and the screenwriter has a lot of fun putting these characters in positions where they almost come into contact with one another but never end up uh, meeting face to face yeah uh, until of course uh, one character meets their peril it's cool it's a cool little exercise yeah. and it would be an awesome little mob movie if it didn't win any Oscars and wasn't as beloved as it was and you just caught on cable every now and again <laughs> it's so watchable man the performances are so much fun and it it moves so fast it's hard I I don't like shutting it off I, you know, it's just... No, I've rewatched it a lot, too. It is it, one of those movies God. that you can't turn off when it's yeah, on Yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a good movie. It's a, In fact, it's a great movie in that way. It's very well written, too. And I just love the, the, the dynamic between uh, Matt Damon and um, Leo's character and how they're kind of... Cl- uh, the whole film is structured around how they're just getting closer and closer to uh, each other. Oh, God. I was just thinking about this with another film that we're going to end up talking about. Fuck. Called... Uh, Blade Runner, oh. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different, uh, but uh, we'll get there when we get there. Um, yeah, this and it's it's kind of tense. I love that sequence when he calls the phone. Yes, and he's just sitting there, and it's just quiet. And then they hang up, 
and then they play it again and it's just really uncomfortable but you know you kind of understand the the stakes that each character is is going through right now and it's just it just works i don't know it's just for me it's it's one of the more fun Scorsese films, absolutely. But see, to me, I would much rather watch Gangs of New York, which is another movie that is pulpy and over the top, and it's also is long soap for operatic for you, dude. That's a long movie for you. It is, but I love it. I love it. Yeah, see, you like long movies more than you give yourself credit for. Well, I love them if they are juicy. Good. Yeah, I love like a you know, there's got to be a lot of meat underneath it. Yeah. But I would argue that like Jack Nicholson isn't going nearly as crazy as like Daniel Day Lewis, even though I think Daniel Day Lewis is a better performance. Oh yeah, it's night and day, bro. No, but that yes, precisely. I don't mind overacting. Yeah, I mind overacting when it distracts from the movie. Do you really think it distracts? It I, do, to me, it does. Uh, see, I disagree. I don't think it's that bad. Daniel at all. Day as yeah. Bill the Butcher mm-hmm. fits right in line with the tone of Gangs of New York. You don't think Jack Nicholson fits into the tone of de, uh, The Departed? No, see, I, no. See, come no. on, I disagree. No, with he's that. out of place. I disagree. To me, he's out of place. I don't feel that at all. If anything, Mark Wahlberg feels more out of place. See, this is the one Mark Wahlberg performance really? that I'm okay with. And I, and really, I don't like Mark Wahlberg. Really? See, I, I do like him in this film, but he's the one where it's like, hmm, maybe tone it back a little. They're all over it. Who, in your opinion, steals this movie? Where you're like, this is their movie. Mm, Martin Sheen, maybe. Okay. Alec Baldwin's pretty great. I'm not a big fan of Martin Sheen's Boston accent. Kind of distracting as well. Maybe, yeah. I feel like this is... Uh, I don't think anyone's bad in this movie. It's dude. close. It's it, it's close between whether or not this is Leo's movie or Damon's movie. And I go back and forth on it a lot. I really like both, though. I actually think Leo is underappreciated in this film. I and really, I think Damon's a bit underappreciated. Yeah, I agree. He is such a fucking shithead in this movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. But yeah. I love him in that role. That's the kind of roles that Damon should be playing. My God. Right. <laughs> yeah. Leo... There are times, put it aside, I love when, like, Leo's doing quiet things and not talking. How about that? I don't. I like when Leo's not talking. Because every time Leo opens his mouth in this, I think about, oh, God, what a terrible accent. I don't think his accent's that bad, though. I'm not the fucking rat. He doesn't sound like that, dude. He does not sound like that. It's not a good Boston accent. I don't think it's that dude, bad. Dude, ask anyone from Boston, they'll agree. Will they? Not a Boston accent. Are you sure? Not a good one. I also I like, don't like the therapist scenes. Oh, I love the therapist. No, I love those. V- Vera Farmiga does not work for me in this. <laughs> why, why don't you just give me a bottle of scotch and a handgun to blow my fucking head off? I just love that line. It's so blunt and hilarious. Two pills? It's good shit. So we're okay with crossing the departed off? No. We're not? No. Okay. No. Fine. It no. Remains, it remains on the list. No, we're not. Okay. It's not going to win, but no. <laughs> it's not getting crossed off yet. Okay. All right. I I don't... Uh, see, this is the... Like Heat, I think it'd be similar. If The Departed was just like a movie that maybe picked up one Oscar nomination, <sighs> and that's, again, just this fun movie with a big cast. Because I think it's a lot better than you're giving it credit for. I would remember it very fondly. This is because this is white in my wheelhouse, bro. Mob movie directed by Martin Scorsese, but it's in my wheelhouse too. With Damon and DiCaprio, this uh, is made for me. It's made for me, and I love it. It's good, and it's made for me, and I find it to be a tad overrated. All right, that's fine. 
You can think you can call it overrated. I will say it's it should. I mean, Jesus Christ, and Scorsese getting this and not getting it for Raging Bull or even tra- uh, Taxi Driver is makes no sense. But yeah, dances with fucking wolves over Goodfellas. Come on, bro. I agree. Let's get to the Casino Royale. All right. <laughs> Directed by Martin Campbell. Yep. Written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and Paul Haggis. Starring Daniel Craig, Eva Green, Mads Mickelson. Don't correct me, you fucking whore. And do not. I would. I. I'm pro- I will kick you in the shin. I will strip you naked and whip you on the bum like fucking Daniel Craig in that sewer or whatever he was doing there. Please do, Nico. Mm-hmm. And Dame Judy Dench <laughs> is in this movie. Six hundred million dollars is what it grossed at the box office. The first Daniel Craig Bond movie, and ironically enough, based on the first ever 007 novel. That's right. This is the first one, Casino Royale. Nominated for zero Oscars. (laughs) Yep. Which is pretty crazy to me, because I love this movie a lot. So do I. In fact, it's my favorite James Bond movie. Yeah. It is my favorite James Bond movie. It's very, very close with that in Skyfall, but I usually go this because I find James Bond infinitely more interesting in this one, and that's about it. So I like Skyfall better. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Just because I think it's a little more stylish, yeah. and I love the last 20 minutes. I love the fact that it becomes Home Alone, basically, in the third <laughs> act, just for adults, and James Bond is involved. There's something for me a little more interesting about this. I mean, the chase sequences in, in this one are a lot better. Uh, it's got more memorable set pieces for me. And um, James Bond learning to become James Bond is, again, we've seen that before, but it's just there's something about it that just really, really works well in this one. For a film that is not as, uh, I don't know, interesting in a, in a visual sense for me. Not, not nearly as much as uh, Skyfall. James Bond going back to being James Bond in Skyfall, though, I also find very interesting. I, yeah, I just don't, I just, uh, I don't love him as a person in that one. Whereas, okay. like, I don't sympathize with him nearly as much in any other Bond film as I do in Casino Royale. Mm. Not even close. Mm. I also, man, it's close. I think I like Javier in that movie a little as better a than I like Maz. It's close. No, I agree, though. That that, that one I can kind of concede on, but I, I do. Uh, I can flip this. a coin on that. Yeah. This was sort of the movie that introduced us to Mickelson. Yeah, it was, precisely. Um, and since then, he's been sort of that guy in most franchise movies. Yep. He plays the villain in like everything now, right? Yeah, he plays a good villain. Yeah. He's in Doctor Strange and in Star Wars as a hero, but still, he's he's all over the place. He's very good in this. Love the poker scene. And My I, favorite poker scene. Well, have you seen Rounders? Oh, uh, is that that... Uh, um, uh, uh, I don't Matt, like I don't Matt li- Damon. I don't like that you started the sentence as "Is that that Matt Damon movie?" Is it that Matt Damon movie? It's not that Matt Damon movie. The? It's the Matt Damon movie. The Matt Damon movie is Rounders. You need to watch it, bro. The Matt Damon movie? No, that's Goodwill Hunting. Okay, so I'm not kidding. Rounders is like one of my five favorite movies ever. Yeah. Five favorite. That's an intense. See, it's and, like and right you there. and you say I have intense statements. Like so I'm not. I'm not making any intense statements. Just my favorite. That's all. I'm not making any. Grandiose I, I'm sure. Statement I'm sure about if it. you thought about that, you'd be like, oh wait, maybe it's not my. I'm top not making five. any grandiose statements, <sighs> dude. I watch that movie like once a week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You haven't seen Rounders, huh? Not yet. 
when did Rounders come out? What year? 98? Something like we that. We need to do that yeah. immediately. And I need to nominate it. Rounders. Oh. Rounders. So that's got the best poker scene of all time. But beyond that, yeah, Casino Royale is pretty great. Yeah, 1998. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do Rounders pretty soon. All right. And you will enjoy. You will indulge. Okay. Matt Damon, Ed Norton. John Malkovich as the Russian. Teddy KGB. I'll give it a shot. KGB. Oh, yeah, I've seen that scene. He, he does a terrible... Check, check, check. Terrible check, accent. Check, You can't believe what fell. I, I don't... I, I can't... I can never figure out if I like John Malkovich because he's always playing John Malkovich. I'm still up from that last time I stick it in you. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Mm. It's the best fucking okay. poker movie ever. Rounders. I jump in it. No, it's not the same. <laughs> wrong, wrong quote. Wrong. <laughs> um, great poker scene, as you just said. My one nitpick about it in the pantheon of James Bond movies is not a very good Bond song. I love it. It's my favorite Bond song. What? Yeah, I love it. You Know My Name by Chris Cornell, the late, great Chris Cornell of yep. Soundgarden. Because I remember watching and being like, oh, there's a good one, finally, because it's been forever since we had a good one. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, I don't feel that way. But that's more your genre, I guess, than mine. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, Ironically, next to maybe Skyfall. How do you feel about Eva Green? As as she's one Bond of my favorite girl. Bond girls. This wow. Is, yeah, it's like, fa- like so many favorites for me. But again, she's one of the ones that I actually understand and sympathize more than all the other ones. And the kind of the the tragic uh, storyline with her is again just it's something that I don't see out of Bond films generally, and it adds an extra layer to his character and her character in the end, especially on rewatch. It just works that much better. Yeah, I get more out of the experience. <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I'm not sure it's true, but this came out two years before The Dark Knight. However, it came out two years after Batman Begins. Yeah, and I was theorizing that this perhaps kickstarted the dark gritty reboot era because this certainly got more love than Batman Begins did right off the bat. And I'm wondering if like, I feel like Dark Knight is the movie that really did that. This might've been a precursor to that, but Dark Knight certainly popularized it. Yeah. This sort of set the ball in motion though. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's for better or worse, but I do think that in a way it did influence the way that blockbusters were made for the next 15 years. Mm, sort of. Not the way that they look, but uh, again, on that thematic level, let's make movies that have these ideas. Right. Yeah, sure. Where James Bond is not necessarily just the sexy and suave hero. No. Yeah. He's also got a darker side to him. Um, so yeah, there, there's maybe something to that. All right, here was my thinking, and it I feel like you've telegraphed your opinion you have it down to two, and I think I know where you're going to go. I was thinking about casting a vote for Casino Royale. No, that's the one that I want to cross off. <laughs> I No, I know. I know you do. I know you do. Do you know what the second one I'm going to cross off is? What's... Well, let's... Wait, hang on. Slow down. Slow down. Take, 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 take a chill pill. You don't want The Departed, and you don't want Casino. You have it down to Pan's Labyrinth and Children of Men, the way that I am okay. reading you. Am I reading you correctly? Yeah. Okay. So, I, I will just say if we can agree on the departed let's just cross it off now oh if we if we if we're gonna boil it down to those two i mean there's no reason let's just cross off departed i think it's a better movie than casino royale okay i disagree with you (sighs) i think just in terms of iconography i disagree with that it's a big iconography more more people more people quote that film i think more people talk about the departed than casino royale 
it's 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 brought up more for me like frequently i mean everyone still quotes that fucking movie so it, it, people even talk about how much they love leo in the departed i think casino is a better movie <sighs> i think for what it's trying to accomplish it's better now mm. i i know it's pretty damn close i we haven't debated pan's labyrinth and children of men yet um at first glance though it was weird i just sort of stumbled on casino royale as my choice and i'm not exactly sure why it's not mine. It just it, isn't. It just seemed like the movie that embodied what we were trying to do here. But it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. No, 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 no. no, no. All right, no, no, that's no. fine. It's just not. This is going to be an interesting one for me. Okay. All right. Let's move on. What do you want to do next? Let's do Children of Men. Okay. Because I don't have that much to say about it. <laughs> what? That's weird. Yeah. You don't? Not really. Directed by two-time Academy Award winner Alfonso Cuaron. He's like five-time Academy Award winner. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm not counting the editing and cinematography awards. And the other, yeah, yeah. Right, but he won two directorial awards. Yeah. For Gravity and Roma. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This is also written by Corone and a bunch of other people. There's like six writers. Starring Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, Claire Hope Ashley, Michael Caine, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Mm-hmm. Based on the 1992 novel by P.D. James... The movie grossed a modest $76 million at the box office and was nominated for three Oscars, including Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, and Best Editing, of which it won zero. Post-apocalyptic movie takes place in the year 2027, where two decades of human infidelity have left society on the brink of collapse. Illegal immigrants seek sanctuary in the United Kingdom, where the last functioning government (laughs) imposes oppressive immigration laws on refugees. Owen plays civil servant Theo Farron, who must help a refugee escape the chaos. Spoiler alert, she has a baby. Uh, You said infidelity, by the way. I think what you meant was infertility. Infertility. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit different. Kind of the same thing. <laughs> no. Kind of the same thing. Oh, actually, no. Complete opposites. <laughs> Literally complete opposites. Mm. Yeah, infertility, not infidelity. Yes, yes. Plenty of infidelity going on <laughs> in the post-apocalyptic universe. I'm sure. Yeah, but they're not having babies. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so I find Michael Caine to be ridiculous in this. Is that all you got? I find Clive <laughs> Owen to be okay. Okay. I think Julianne Moore's okay. And I find the direction to be stunning. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I was and, like, where are you going with this? And that's that's that. So I, yeah. I, I feel like the the framework, the skeleton for a great movie is maybe not quite there, but the exterior is really gorgeous. No, but the, I mean, the presentation saves this movie. Oh yeah. my God. Every there's there's there's. This is one of the most memorable films in the realm of like just set pieces. Yeah. Whether it's that like incredible one shot where they're in the car, which I, I, I quite love. And then there's that honestly, but there's another one uh, towards the end of the film with the tank that I love so much more where they're running through the uh, the hotel and just things of that nature. Just the look of this film and how perfectly realized a, like a, a dystopian future is that I can I could almost like I don't know what would happen, but I could see the world turning out like this. Mm. Which is what's so scary about it too, mm. and uh, I mean, I just love the 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 genuine feeling of desperation throughout this entire film, which is, I mean, obviously what it needs in order to be more convincing. It's very depressing. This it movie. is, de- yeah, but it's not. It's not like the. It's not like the road or anything. No, it's not like it's not quite like that. It's uh, 
it's like like earned uh um uh depression <laughs> i suppose yeah again uh i'm not sure it's the type of story that you could really sink your teeth into where it's like i want to sit down curl up and watch children of men tonight nope but the first time you watch it it's like whoa this is unlike anything that i've seen this year and perhaps anything i've ever seen on screen before yep i agree the single take at the end of this movie in the middle of that battle sequence is as advertised it is that fucking good and it holds up on multiple rewatches mm-hmm. i i think some people accuse corone of being a uh, is all style no substance the right That's word not true no now, i i don't know what the accusations are like but but i think some people perhaps underrate his abilities as a storyteller because he is so good behind the camera Ugh. Present, it's. I, I hate it when people say that. Style is substance when it comes to filmmaking. It just is. Well, this is a very philosophical argument. <laughs> That's filmmaking. Yeah, I guess. It's I presentation. Guess. Yeah. That's what filmmaking is about more than anything. Yeah. And the amount of emotion he packs into his, his, his all of his shots. Yeah. It, it just earns it. I don't care if it's like it's like out of control and crazy and really technically impressive. As long as it works, who gives a shit? Mm. Uh. Okay. I slightly disagree, but okay. No, okay. no, yeah. I don't know. I, I, well, I, I don't put it this way. I don't think that style forgives a lack of substance. Like it, your argument is that style is the substance. It can be. Um, I, I think very rarely. Pulp Fiction is a f- fantastic example of that. Pulp Fiction's got some very good dialogue, though. Yeah, but let's look at the way that they 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 shoot those scenes and craft those characters, like. I don't know. I'll say the same about Drive. I, I <clears throat> sometimes atmosphere is enough for me, especially in horror films. It's 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 just but it's not, just what, but not but not atmosphere for no reason. Well, that now that's the real question. What, what what are they actually doing it for? Is the question. Well, that's the entire question, yeah. right? And for me, usually coming from a filmmaking perspective, there's all, almost always an intention, right? Which is why I hate it when people say that. I was like, guys. If we're actually talking about this, usually those things that you're claiming have no reason have a very specific reason. You just have to look for it properly. Right. It can't just be style to make something look pretty. Yeah. If I'm being in in all honest, I feel like like when people say there's no reason for that style, I was like, no. For me, very rarely is there no reason for that style. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Is this Corone's best movie? Uh, it's the best one that I've seen. But you think uh, I think Matambian is a little better. I think Matambian. Yeah. Oh my god, it's my favorite. Movie. Yeah, of the ones that. I've and seen. they could not be more different. Yeah, one movie is a very personal road trip story, mm-hmm. and this is a very impersonal road trip story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, that is in the midst of war and chaos and giant action set pieces, and I really love it. I yeah, really do. And no, I, I would not feel bad about putting this in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think it's, I think it's really strong. I think it's really good, and okay. it's for the big screen. It's the type of movie where you have to see this on the big screen mm-hmm. to get the full impact. It's what movies are all about. It's, it's all cor- about that sense of wonder and awe. It's a Quran film. It's, it's true. It's funny you say that, films that are about a sense of wonder and awe. Because we still have one more film to talk about. Mm. Then mm. we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. El del Fauna. Which literally translates to The Labyrinth of the Fawn. Otherwise known in English as Pan's Labyrinth. That's correct. Written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. 
another Mexicano director. One of the trio. One of the trio that includes Guillermo, Inuritu. Alfonso Cuaron, and Alejandro Inarritu. Yep. All three of them made movies this year. <laughs> Inarritu made Babel, and as we just said, Alfonso did Children of Men. Those three have shared the past, what, six or seven Oscars? Oh, they've been killing it in the direct uh, the director category. Yeah, they if you go back, 2012, Coron won for Gravity, and then, or 2013, he won for Gravity, and then after that, Damien Chazelle was the only non-Mexican director yeah. to win Best Director at the Oscars. You That's give right. it to him for Gravity, then Inuritu wins back-to-back for Birdman and uh, and The Revenant. Then you give it to Chazelle. Yes. And then after that, it's uh, Guillermo. Guillermo for Shape of Water. And then Coron wins it again this year for Roma. Fucking crushing it. And all three of these filmmakers made a movie in 2006. <laughs> a, an interesting factoid. This is set in 1944 Spain. Mm-hmm. Five years after the Spanish Civil War. And it combines elements of both fantasy horror and like drama just like straight through and through drama even a little bit of like war just straight yeah up it's war a war movie me. for sure nominated for six oscars that year including best original screenplay best original score best cinematography best art direction best makeup and best foreign language film it won in the cinematography art direction and makeup categories lost in the best foreign film category to what Lost to the Lives of Others. The Lives of Others is the name of the movie. The, the German film? I guess. I think I've never a, heard of it. Oh, I've heard of it. It's uh, okay. I haven't seen it yet. I think yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure it's a German film. Best foreign language film does not go to Pan's Labyrinth in 2006. Okay. <laughs> Whatever, Oscars. Whatever. It stars Sergio Lopez, Maribel Verdu, and Ivana Baccaro. Mm-hmm. Grossed $83 million at the box office. This is not only the best foreign film of that year. It is not only one of the best foreign films of the last 10 to 15 years. Yep. In my opinion, this is one of the all-time great Spanish-language movies and it's like not even close not even close it's like in a rarefied air it's Guillermo's best film as well uh, yeah you think yeah <laughs> by a clear margin I would say although some people would disagree with you Nico and those people are fascists <laughs> <laughs> those people are fascists and they deserve to be yeah. ironically kicked out of the country <laughs> um, Guillermo wins for Shape of Water last year a stupid movie about a woman that fucks a fish. And what frustrates me so much about The Shape of Water's victory at the Oscars is how none of those voters saw Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Clearly, none clearly. of them saw Pan's Labyrinth because they didn't give it love in 2006. And this whole Johnny Come Lately routine of like, let's give it to the shitty fantasy movie that Guillermo del Toro made is just so fucking frustrating. Okay. Pan's Labyrinth is in such another level. And it really utilizes his strengths in the perfect way Mm -hmm. shape of water is just like a silly fairy tale that does not like totally buy into its premise or maybe it's just that the premise is stupid to begin with pan's labyrinth combines all of its elements so perfectly and not a single piece of the puzzle feels out of place yep 
It's incredible. What do you have to say about it? This is, it encompasses everything that makes filmmaking special. Whoa. Everything. Whether it's, you know, you can talk about the technical aspects to, to the way they, they create the atmosphere with the lighting and some, some of the gloomy blues when they actually go into the labyrinth or the really, really saturated gold and, 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 and reds when they go like uh, when she kind of visits the, the, the place to go see the pale man, for example, which we will talk about, by the way, yes. um, to, to, to just how visceral this movie feels and how it's another movie where if you shut off the, the volume, I could probably understand everything that's going on in the movie. But then just, just wonderfully written characters and just an incredible sense of imagination and glow and wonderment in the, in the purest sense. I was, and it's a film about you know the, the importance of, of creativity and imagination and how important that is for the preservation of the human spirit. And I love every conceivable thing about this movie and it's it's a it's a dark fantasy it's very weird but oddly appropriate for what's going on in this world and it's interesting how our our lead character ophelia finds escape in the end and it's so heartbreaking too but god damn is this this movie just gets me i love this movie i fucking love this movie i agree with everything you just said Mm mm-hmm I do. I do. This movie hit me like a ton of bricks the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I have seen it multiple times since. This is, by no definition, a Nico movie. This is not a movie made for me. Nope. I'm not normally a huge Guillermo fan unless he's making movies about giant robots beating up giant monsters. But if you take that aside, I'm just really not into his sensibility. Not, not that I don't respect his sensibility, but... Shape of Water, I've made my position very clear on that. Also, something like Crimson Peak or... Have you seen Hellboy? No. <sighs> Hellboy moves are fun. Yeah. And you would fall in love with uh, Ron Perlman. Both of them are good. Yeah. Both of them are really good. Yeah. I'm definitely not looking forward to that new Hellboy series. Nah, I, mean, I mean, it's directed by Neil Marshall and he made The Descent, which is the best horror film of the 20th century. Oh. The 21st century. Well, good to know. So. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> See The Descent. Okay. Um, I, I, I uh, will say, though, all of his... All, all of his sensibilities, everything that he's into. His humanity. It works oh, for me here. God. It just works for me, top to bottom. The little girl in this movie is so good. All of the characters, as evil as that guy is, that is a great movie villain. Really great. But yet, again, it's one where the character believes in everything he's doing, which makes him that much more compelling yeah. and frustrating. And scarier. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he believes that he is noble in his pursuits. He feels like he's doing the right thing by his family, by his namesake, and by his country. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that, yeah. that's terribly disturbing. I should say, for those that have not seen Pan's Labyrinth, here's the plot. You have a little girl who is the daughter of a woman engaged to a warlord, essentially, or a captain for the Spanish military. This is like five years after the Spanish America, the Spanish Civil War, excuse me. And they're sort of cleaning out the riffraff at this point. Yep. The the dust has settled and the Spanish government is is uh, cracking the whip, so to speak. And the captain is this horribly evil man who is abusive to both his wife and his soon-to-be stepdaughter, along with other people that live on this compound. And, and in the middle of the night, this little girl walks through a maze in the backyard of this giant mansion and finds a bunch of mystical creatures that live in another palace. And uh, the story goes from there. Mm -hmm. One of the brilliant things about this movie 
and why it works as both a fantasy movie and a war movie. And it's so clever. You're not sure what universe is more scary, mm-hmm. which is so like it's an incredible choice. I I know the movie by the end of it. Yeah, but by the end of it, but oh, yeah. like the world with the monsters and the creature with hands with his eyeballs in them that eats little girls for dinner. Okay, let's just talk about this right now. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, the pale man scene is the scariest thing I've ever seen. Oh my god, <laughs> fucking terrifying! Holy. god. God. By the way, same actor that played the fish man in Shape of Water. I know. Yeah, Doug Jones, who I fucking love. Yeah. Uh, but oh my God. And, and this is what I'm talking about as well in, in, in regards to the, the spectrum of film. And these are usually the films that make it on my list is that this is uh, the one of the most visually unforgettable films I've I've ever seen. Yeah. For scenes just like that. I mean, there's and there's tons of them, whether it's just that, whether it's the Chelsea Grin scene with the with the captain. Oh, gets yes. Oh, so Where he good. gets the Joker scar, oh, essentially. Oh, my God. And the, 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 the look of the fawn, the look of the labyrinth itself, the, the, the toad scene. Oh, the, the, scene the where, toad! Oh, my God. Yeah, no one talks about the tone. Really weird stuff. But then and or the scene where the mom starts just bleeding yeah. everywhere. Oh, my God. It's great. But then the little touches with Ophelia and even just the chalk. I love that stuff. It's mm. so creative and, and, and fun and wonderful, but so human- and so tragic and sad and it just gets you and oh man it's it's a film about it's like dreams and nightmares and trying to figure out which is which right would i rather live in reality or would i rather live with the creature that wants to eat my face and you know at, at the end of the day which universe does that thing exist in i keep meaning to show this one to abby but then i then, but then i'm like that pale man scene it's she, tough she would check out like at that point no there's a lot of rough stuff in it <laughs> yeah i know no question but it has so much heart and so much soul and says a lot about war and says a lot about the human spirit as you said and the need for imagination i love how you put that that's so eloquently put mm-hmm. uh it's everything that guillermo del toro does well it's everything that film does well frankly it's a fairy tale and a great one and I have a feeling that you want to induct it into the movie Hall of Fame, Adam Hall. It's it's the one. I've never I like for, since we've been doing this. I'm, I honestly feel more strongly about this one than maybe even uh, uh, Raging Bull because I had more contention with Empire Strikes Back. This one, I think, it's by far the best film. I think it 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 goes beyond legacy. I think we're we're doing ourselves a disservice if we don't put this one in. Honestly, it's like yeah, Casino Royale probably has a greater legacy, but who gives a shit? Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. All right. You're fine with that? I buy it. Oh, are we agreeing quickly? It's in. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that makes me so happy. I thought we were going to argue for a little bit, but no, no. You're fine with that? Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Does that feel good? Yeah. (laughs) That does feel good. I yeah, if we if we're making a statement at all, this this is the time to to make a statement because this is the this is the right call. Okay, it is. This is the right call. And also, it's a big fuck you to the Academy who totally missed this movie. Oh my god, this is a beautiful movie. This is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful film. Yeah, it's like yeah. How, it's like how dare you do that to a movie like this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, this should be in contention for best picture. Never mind best foreign language. Yeah. I, I mean, it should have won that going away. Like, how could you say it? This is what film is all about. And you're right, though. 
like it is iconic yeah oh, the yeah. pale man is an iconic image oh yeah in the realm of horror movies oh, oh yeah. my god yeah oh yeah you can't escape it mm. <laughs> this and this is a film that simply does not leave your head Ugh. that doesn't you do, you're 100 percent right you think about it for weeks and weeks to come it's an adult movie with a childlike sensibility so good perfect oh the scene with the bottle i just remember that where he's pounding the guy's face oh my god yes the skull trauma the guy that hunting the rabbits yeah what is he hunting yeah they they were hunting for rabbits they were just hunting rabbits oh Uh, that's right so great uh masterpiece yeah i think that's that's an appropriate word choice masterpiece good for you guillermo Let's make another movie like this again. All right. Watch the Hellboy movie. They're not this good, but watch the Hellboy movies. All right. And let's let's stray away from Shape of Water. <laughs> Shit. That's fine. You can do that. Fuck that movie, dude. Dude, fuck that movie. Yeah. I know you. I don't hate it. All right. There well, you go. How nice is that, Adam? We did it. That's good. This this feels this I'm, I'm happy. I want to just remind everybody though that these are Ooh. six great movies. And I am feeling we are going to do at some point in the near future the second chance show yep. where we're going to look back at all the nominees that barely missed the cut. Seven is going to be one of my second chances. Oh, my God. Yeah, that that was our last week's. Um, that, that was in the 1995 show, if you didn't listen to that. The Devil Wears Prada, The Prestige, Pan's Labyrinth, Casino Royale, Children of Men, and The Departed. All six deserving movies. Only Pan's Labyrinth gets in. But I could see any one of those five also getting in in the near future. Um, and uh, yeah, I may rethink. I may rethink some of those. I think we sold Devil Wears Prada a little short. Uh, I maybe. I, I think don't we know. did. It's not the winner. It's no. Not. I'm. I'm. But, I'm. I. I'm okay with that. I have no delusions about okay. it. But. But it's a good. It's a very good, good movie, movie year. Yeah. Solid year in movies. Two thousand and six. Yeah, I agree. Solid picks right there, though. Pan's Labyrinth. We made the correct move. I think. Yeah, I think we did too. Okay, so I am. Going to Phoenix, Arizona. So I will be MIA for a little while, but there will be no interruptions in your podcast feeds. Mm-hmm. But we have to do. We have to look into the future. I think you want to do 1968 when we come back. Either 1968 or 69. 69 is just as good. Okay. Well, we have a list of nominees for 68. Do we are? Right? Yeah. Okay. We do. We do. We right. Do, yeah, so we so should probably just do that. Let's do that. Yeah. So next week. We will be doing the class of 1968. Your nominees, Rosemary's Baby, Planet of the Apes, Bullet, which is a movie I haven't seen. Bullet's cool. Once Upon a Time in the West, 2001, A Space Odyssey. You got to make a lot of time for Once Upon a Time in the West. (laughs) And Night of the Living Dead. Another good movie here. The year 1968. We're going back in time. The oldest year we've done thus far. Only one will get nominated. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Only one will get inducted. <laughs> Six will get nominated. Find out which one that is next week. Catch up with us. That's a hard year thinking about it now, too. If you're going based off of impact and legacy, that's oh yeah, that's a hard one. We're going to be debating that one for a while. Jesus. Ooh, right. I, I don't even know where I fall on it yet. And a couple of those movies I haven't seen. So Have well, you seen Night of the Living Dead? I have. Okay, okay. I haven't seen Rosemary's Baby, though. I haven't seen it. <sighs> good year mm. i've seen planet of the apes in 2001 obviously um that's when the remake came out that's what i thought you were talking about at first <laughs> what the remake of planet of the apes i believe came out in 2001 
Oh. <laughs> I was like, Planet of the Apes. No, I have seen both 2001 period and Planet of the Apes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is that clear? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. So we're doing that next week, Movie Hall of Fame. We haven't skipped a week yet. I'm proud of us. Yeah. Because there's, there's more stuff to talk about. Do I want to sit down and talk with you about Captain Marvel? No. Oh, I'll tell you what we have to do, though. What? Um, do we have to do a review or anything? We're going to have to do us. Oh, okay. I'll do us. When it comes out. Yeah. I'm actually very excited for us. So maybe do we... Ah, we'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about it. That's fine. Off air. Us is getting great reviews. I know. Okay. So I, I heard the modern day Hitchcock that seems like out of control crazy, but who knows? You never know. You never know. I know. You're at some Adam Hall. I am. I'm at Funny Nico Tweets. Follow along with the entire site that is too many thoughts media.com mm-hmm. at the handle at TMT underscore media. That's where you can vote on our Twitter polls. Let us know what movie you thought was the best of 2006. Again, at TMT underscore media on Twitter. That'll do it. That will do it. Go to the website, subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. Please review, by the way. Oh, yes. Please review. Yes. We need it. We need it. Where should... Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So here's the deal. We do movie podcasts, and we would like to get those movie podcasts on Rotten Tomatoes. That's the next goal. So if you listen to this podcast or you listen to our other podcast, Why Is This a Thing? Go to iTunes, 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 or Apple Podcasts Mm -hmm. on your iPhones. Look up both podcasts and hit five stars. It's the easiest thing to do. It's, it literally takes you two fucking seconds. Yes. I've been telling everybody in my life to do it. Do it for this podcast. It would go a long way. Um, and if you don't like it, then keep it to yourself, as Nick Evangelista <laughs> says. <laughs> that was a good But one. we need 200 reviews and an average of four stars to yep. get featured on Rotten Tomatoes. So it would be kind of cool to see the Movie Hall of Fame for the latest review of us. Mm. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Me too. We could affect the thermometer. Nah, oh God, Jesus Christ! Could you imagine if we were the only negative review for us? <laughs> negative. We review? brought it down to ninety nine percent. You would do that, even if you love the film. You're just, just for the clicks, bro. <laughs> All about them clicks. Yeah. So yeah, help us out. Leave a review on iTunes. It would mean a lot. That's it. Love you. Till next time. Okay, everyone, gird your loins. Oh, not bad. I'm not the fucking rat. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>